Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Pro Wrestling Index on the Anfield Index podcast channel. I'm your host, Matt Topolsky, and on this show, we have a very special edition as myself and my co-host for Booker T's Reality of Wrestling, Brad Gilmore, break down the SummerSlam card in its entirety. We will review and recap the night that was the four-hour mega event from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, the WWE SummerSlam. Just to provide a brief background on my guest today, Brad Gilmore has been podcasting for nearly five years. He's also my co-host on Booker T's Reality of Wrestling, which can be seen around the world at realityofwrestling.com. He's also a musician, an artist, and a broadcaster. And in addition to all that, first and foremost, Brad Gilmore is a wrestling fan. We have some very strong opinions about what took place at SummerSlam, and at times, things may get a little heated. So do enjoy and continue to support the show, and thank you to everybody who has supported the show. You can find out more about it if you go to Pro Wrestling Index on Twitter and also at the AIP channel, at AIP channel for the Anfield Index as well. Hope everyone enjoys the show. Matt Topolsky and Brad Gilmore. And Brad, what, um, man, what, what, what a show. I mean, we're just seconds after this thing wrapping up. So, uh, let me get your general reaction on, on, on how you feel about the event. Man, dude, uh, I mean, very incredible. So I was like 5.30 here in Texas. Like I was rushing home so I could get to the four-hour extravaganza of SummerSlam, right? I was so excited to watch this show, literally. And I know everyone's going to think this was dangerous. <laughs> I, was, I was driving down the street watching it on the WWE app as it was happening because I was running a little late. It was about 6.05. That's not recommended. Watching. That's not recommended, not, by the way. It's definitely not recommended. I don't, I don't, uh, kids stay in school. Um, but I, uh, I, you know, I was so excited for this thing and, um, sitting down, getting my Roku streaming. Like literally, this was like Super Bowl Sunday for me. I made my fresh batch of B. Gilly's homemade salsa. You know, I put an extra habanero in there just because of the occasion. I was pumped, Matt Topolsky. What about you? Man, I kind of felt, I kind of felt the same way. This felt like, um, 
It felt a lot like WrestleMania to me. And, um, you know, I, I watched the NXT TakeOver special last night live on the WWE Network and uh, mm. was extremely impressed not only by the crowd in Brooklyn, which I accurately predicted was going to be fantastic, but by the um, the in-ring work itself, including the NXT Women's Championship matchup last night, which features Sasha Banks and Bayley, one of the greatest women's matches in the history of professional wrestling, without a doubt. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I actually opted to watch Houston Texans football, uh, football Americano, that is. Um, but I, uh, I, I went back after the, the game was over, after a heartbreaking loss, and I went on my PS3, fired up the WWE Network, watched the whole NXT Brooklyn special, and, and TP, that moment at the end, as soon as Be- uh, Bailey hit that Bailey to belly suplex one two three crowd goes nuts tears rolling down her face and then Becky and Charlotte join her and uh, so does Sasha and they throw up the four horse women sign I mean what a moment what a match uh, match of the night as far as I'm concerned that main event between Finn Balor and Kevin Owens ladder match was incredible that coup de gras off the top of the ladder just mind blowing but that women's match man had so much heart in it you know what I mean had so much heart. And uh, I got to give it match of the night for the takeover special. It was incredible. Uh, you know, if that if that were a men's match, there are people that would be arguing right now that that is a match of the year candidate. So I'm, oh, gonna I'm go, already arguing. I'm going to go ahead and throw that right out there. I think that that is a match of the year candidate, and it is and it's it's easily one of the best women's matches in the history of professional wrestling. I mean, it's up there. It's got to be in the top five. I mean, and maybe maybe I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw out this maybe. We're just still really high on it, so we're giving it more praise than it's due. But I think it's worth every amount of praise that we're giving it right now. Me, it was incredible. I mean, I'm going to put it right now top five, um, but we'll see. We'll see how time goes on. But I, I have now thought that Sasha Banks is the future of the WWE Divas division. Once Nikki and the Bellas are done, Nikki and the Bellas. That sounds like a nice like 1950s pop group. Um, uh, but anyway, once Nikki and the Bellas are done, I think Sasha Banks leads the charge for the Divas division in the coming years. I mean, just awesome. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to see, um, it's hard to see any scenario where that isn't the case. And I mean, regardless of who leads the charge, there are four or five or six or even more than that, more than half a dozen capable Divas. Uh, or women's wrestlers, I'd like to say, because, I mean, that, that performance last night, th- th- those weren't divas. Those were women's wrestlers beating the hell out of each other and putting on a show that um, the Barclays Center received in a way that they haven't even received their own basketball team this year. So, um, <laughs> I mean, it was just incredible. Great crowd, by the way. Uh, awesome crowd, both for last night hey, and for tonight. Awesome crowd, but you know what I liked more than the crowd? And do you know what I liked more than Rich Brennan by just an ounce? Was the setup. You know, the white ropes, the black mat, the stage set looked like the NXT show, but just a little bit bigger. Yeah. I would venture a guess to say that the NXT TakeOver Brooklyn set looked better than the SummerSlam set. I it just had such a different feel. It felt fresh. It felt new. It felt, I don't know. It just it felt like it, was, it felt like it was set up by Hove. It know? felt like it was set up by Hove. And yeah. You can't go against Hova. Yeah. 
That's one of the unwritten rules. <laughs> you you can't go against Hover. <laughs> no, you can't. Well, hey man, listen. Um, let's uh, you know, the NXT Takeover special, by the way, was fantastic. But let's talk SummerSlam. Uh, things got started out pretty hot and heavy with uh, Randy Orton versus Sheamus. So let's get into this. Obviously, um, Sheamus getting the victory clean over Randy Orton with not one, but two brogue kicks. How do you feel about the match? And how do you feel about the finish and the booking in this one? Um, you know, I think I said it on the, on, uh, your opinion doesn't matter last week. Um, that the, the, this match I wasn't looking forward to all that much. You know, I mean, I've seen Randy Orton and Sheamus work. I remember that night after I think WrestleMania 29, the building literally booed them out of the arena. Um, and I wasn't that excited. I'm gonna be honest, you know, um, I was more excited for John Stewart and Mick Foley in the opening segment than I was this match. But when this match started, I was like, whoa, these guys are putting it all out there, all on the line. The, uh, my favorite spot was, uh, Sheamus is doing his thing where he hits Orton, you know, from the outside and is smacking him in the chest with those fists or whatever. And then he goes to do the, that dive that he likes to do over the top rope. And then Randy Orton, boom, RKO out of nowhere, like a thing of beauty. And, all, you know, that, that could have been a finish for me and I would have been happy. But I will say, Orton goes for that, that, uh, well, Sheamus goes for the bro kick. Orton reaches back for the RKO because he ducks it. And then Sheamus shoves him in the corner. Boom, bro kick number one. Randy Orton stumbles. Boom, bro kick number two. One, two, three. I was actually very pleased with this match. I thought it was a great way to start off the show. And I wasn't mad for the first time in like five years that Sheamus won the match. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I tend to agree with you on, on all of it. The only concern that I have is, um, because, I mean, I'm a, I'm a converted Randy Orton fan. As you know, I've been critical of Randy Orton in the past, but uh, yeah. in, in, in the last year and a half, Randy Orton has really won me over as well as much of the WWE universe. And um, I, the only concern that I have is, is where does Randy Orton go from here? Because the last thing that I want to have happen is Randy Orton to head down the uh, the big show pathway of a guy who's a veteran star, who's a proven star, who's won titles and is still kind of hanging around because of his draw, but, but nothing really happens with him. And I think that's my biggest concern. Um, but you know, for what you're trying to do with Seamus, I understand Seamus has to get the win. I was surprised, however, that he won clean, but I'm not upset with that because for me, that, uh, that, that puts over a guy that's holding that money in the bank briefcase and you really need it. He really needs it. So, uh, I thought it was That's good what I was, uh, I was about to say the exact same thing. You know, he needs that. He needs something behind him. I mean, they put, they put the money in the bank briefcase on him and everyone was asking the same question. Why? And, you know, we're still asking that question, but if he can go out there and he can perform in matches like this against your Randy Orton's of the world, I mean, there, there's a, there's a case that could be had. To where you could believe Sheamus as maybe the world heavyweight champion. I mean, I know he's been the champ before, and I wouldn't right now. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to see him be the champion again. But if he continues to impress me in these matches, and he has great matches, he has fun matches, and he's entertaining. I mean, that's what you're looking for in a WWE world heavyweight champion, and, and he might win the fans over like that. I mean, that's a long shot right now. But I'm saying I was very impressed by this opening match with Sheamus. Well, you know, and the other thing is as well, and we'll get into this later on regarding Seth Rollins, but I, I kind of feel like there there are only a handful of guys that could could turn Seth Rollins' face 
simply by getting into a program with them, and I think Sheamus is one of them. So um, so we'll have to see how that develops down the road. But uh, moving right along, let's talk about the primetime players, Los Matadores, Lucha Dragons, and the New Day for the Tag Team Championships. Brad Gilmore, I hate to admit it, but you are correct. The, um, well, duh. The, the, the what New else Day, is new? The New Day came out victorious. Well, this is a rare moment for you, obviously. But, uh, but uh, hey, listen, the, the New Day were over tonight. They were over much more than I thought they were going to be over. And uh, They and, were over. And by like the way, over. can I say this real quick? Xavier Woods was the biggest star of the match, and he didn't even work. You know, it's funny. I, I want to – let's talk about Xavier Woods for a minute. Isn't because he that's brilliant? A very, not only is he brilliant. I mean, he was talking about, I eat French toast for breakfast. and I mean, he was just going ham. Uh, no pun intended with the breakfast analogy. Uh, he was going ham there at ringside. But let's talk about Xavier Woods because I don't know how familiar you are with his work in TNA. How, how familiar are you? Wait, what's TNA? <laughs> well, you I'm, know, not, I'm, in, not, I'm not familiar at all. Is that Was that Jeff Jarrett's last failed idea? Uh, well, I think it was actually his first failed idea. Oh, okay. Well, actually, probably not. Okay. Um, hey, hey, listen, slap nuts. I'm trying to tell a story here. Um <laughs> So uh, Xavier Woods was Consequences Creed in TNA, and he was in the X Division. And this man was one of the most impressive in-ring performers they had in the entire division. Uh, not only was his character funny and over, but he could do things in the ring I still have never seen anybody do before. He had one of those King of the Mountain matches for the X Division Championship at like a Slammiversary. And it was incredible the things that he was doing. It left my jaw on the ground. And that's when I remember when he made his debut on the main roster, tag teaming with R-Truth. I remember being like, man, that's Consequences Creed. And this dude can wrestle. This man is a great wrestler. I do not know why they put him at ringside all the time and don't let this man wrestle. Because out of the three, Kofi Kingston's incredible. He's an excellent athlete. Big E is a big man, so his skill set is limited. Xavier Woods is the best professional wrestler out of the three of them. And I don't know why he doesn't get more in-ring shine. As great as he is on the on the outside, don't get me wrong, he was the star of the match. But as great as he is, he's even better inside the ring. And I don't know why he didn't get that opportunity. All joking aside, I am familiar with his background. And um, the one thing about Xavier Woods that I think of, and especially tonight, tonight really reminded me of it. You know who he reminds me of? Who? A young diamond Dallas Page. Oh, yeah. A guy who started as a manager who everybody knew was a great worker and had more to offer than what he was given the opportunity to provide at first. And I think we have yet to see the best out of Xavier Woods because of that that alone. And um, where he's at right now is brilliant, and he's able to um, showcase the extension of his personality as, as being the guy in the corner for, for the New Day. But I see big things ahead for Xavier Woods. He's really a diamond in the rough, but he reminds me a lot of Diamond Dallas Page. Well, I mean, that's interesting. You know, I mean, I, I definitely see where you're coming from with the Diamond Dallas Page comparison. Although, when it comes to in-ring work, I really think it's nine day. No disrespect to DDP. You know, I'm a big DDP fan. DDP fan. I do my DDP yoga. And uh, you can check out all of our interviews on the Brad Gilmore Show on Demand, by the way. But his in-ring ability was way elementary compared to uh, Xavier Woods. He had a great finish, though. Probably one of the best finishes of all time. But 
I, I think Xavier Woods, like you said, is so much more to, to show us. But, hey, everybody in this match showed us something, maybe with the exception of Los Matadores. I mean, Titus O'Neil showed off his incredible strength with that finish, um, Tower of Terror that he did in the corner. Uh, what is it called? Darren Young and Kalisto had a great exchange um, between one another. Kalisto, so that guy can do some incredible things. You saw he did that running no-handed flip into yeah. the ropes. Oh, like he, he did a flip into the ropes and then bounced back with no hands. You know, the like, what is it, this it's man funny. Doing? The last time I've seen that, actually, the first time I've seen it was from a guy named the Mysterious Q on Reality of Wrestling. But, but yeah, I agree. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, you know, definitely Q. <laughs> definitely Q is one to watch for. But yeah, I mean, Kalisto, that was, it was, it was incredible. And then, um, all the stuff with Kofi and Biggie, of course, them winning the tag team championships, just as I predicted. That was very sweet. And I, I like them as tag champs. I never thought they should have lost the tag champions. I thought they were great. But now that they're two-time tag champs, oh, brother. Well, we're going to see the free bird rule and everything. But the thing is, though, is that I almost feel like they needed this. Like they needed to lose the tag titles to win them back on a stage like this in front of what some would argue was a heel-slanted crowd at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, which I love. Um, I, I love those fans tonight. Um, and, and they were great. I mean, they were, they were, I would say one of the most entertaining parts of SummerSlam was the New Day. And, uh, and they definitely deserved to get back the, uh, the tag team championships. So. Yeah, they did, they, they did their, uh, they did their rendition of the Empire State of Mind by Hova yeah. once again. Yeah. And guess what? When, when you shout out Hova and you give love to Hova at his own arena, <laughs> you're walking away with gold. <laughs> Well, uh, let's move on to Rusev versus Dolph Ziggler, which was really Summer Rae versus Lana. Um, oh, brother. <laughs> wait, uh, can, can, wait, stop. Okay, Lana, let's talk about Lana for the Just next— stop. I would say for the next minute, but really we can spend as much time on her as you want. Um, well, I mean, if I ever got good, to spend time on Lana, it'd probably only be a minute. But Good I God. Mean, good wow. God. Good God. Incredible. Good God. Good what? God. Well, like, like when she came out, I was like, "What is that?" Because that is no woman. That is a that is a a, a spectacle. That is she was just incredible. The long, flowing blonde hair, this denim outfit. She just she looked incredible. That's the type of woman that would force you to create a disturbing amount of children. Like, I mean, I, 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 what do you, like, come on, man. Like, did you see her tonight? She is quite spectacular. She is one of the most attractive females I have ever seen as long as I have been breathing air. I mean, and she looked better than ever again tonight wearing some, some stupid jean jacket outfit or whatever the hell she had on. It didn't matter. Like, she could wear a garbage bag and she would look sexy, but she looked fantastic tonight. And, Honestly, do we even need to talk about this match? Because, <laughs> well, can we, can we talk about what what is the purpose of the double countout in this match? It went almost twelve minutes. It was an entertaining match. You know, there's some gr- there's some good action in there. Um, the fans were into it. The fans were very into Ziggler. Ziggler was you know over like Rover. Um, but what what why book a double countout? And this is, I think, the first of a few questionable calls here tonight uh, when it came to finishes. But what what was the point of the double counter? Can you explain this to me, Matt Dabolsky? Um here's 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 um I'm gonna put myself 
if I'm going to be the guest booker on this, I'm going to say that it was strictly done to protect both talents. But I'm confused by so much. Number one, last night at NXT TakeOver, you had a guy that I compared before to be very similar to Dolph Ziggler, okay? The master of the supermodel kick, all right? Yeah. And Tyler Breeze, I think, received a bigger – if uh, he did. He, I think he received a bigger pop last night by that crowd than Dolph Ziggler did tonight. Not taking anything away by Dolph Ziggler, but but in many respects to the same character. Um, so you have to you, you kind of have to figure out what you're doing with Dolph Ziggler because you just re-signed him to a new deal, and you have a guy who's coming up right behind him that is basically the same character except younger and arguably more athletic. And I'm just saying arguably, not that I agree with that, but I think you could argue it. Um, and then you have a guy in Rusev who was the pride of Russia. He was this medal award winner who was apparently BFFs with Vladimir Putin. Now all of a sudden he's not from Russia anymore and he's from Bulgaria again. Yeah. Which, which just confuses the hell out of me and I hate, well, hey, when, hey, hey, I, hate I hate when things happen like this. But, but let, let, let's think about this. He only went, he only went Russian for Lana. But and Lana, but said, Lana's not Russian anymore. I think she's still Russian. She's just, a Russian American sympathizer. Oh, she. <laughs> hey, but at the time she was Russian, and that man was in love with that woman. And guess what, TP? If Lana said, "Hey, Topolsky, I want you to, I want you to praise Putin," you would praise Putin, okay? Oh, Putin. Now, Putin, once Putin, Putin, I would be tight. Putin, Putin, you might be a little too tight. I don't know if I like what you're saying there. It might be shirtless riding horses everywhere. But um, Lana made Rusev Russian. Rusev is from Bulgaria. He has a tattoo of Bulgaria on his shoulder. So this man is now Bulgarian again, except he has Summer Rae on his side. And I don't know if that's in his advantage or not because I'm not the biggest Summer Rae fan. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's what's going on with Rusev. But you talk about Rusev, the man who was undefeated for almost a year, lost to John Cena and then became emo Rusev and has been crying and calling Lana a cold fish and a dog Ziggler and all this stuff. I mean – his character has become a little tad bit too silly for me. I think he needs to stay that Bulgarian brute and not the Bulgarian bonehead with the stupid comedy. Oh, well, I wasn't emotionally invested in this match before it happened. I'm even less emotionally invested in this now, and I hope that this rivalry just kind of goes away. But I think- Well, no, I mean, it's going to end in a mixed tag match at either the next pay-per-view or Survivor Series. That's what what this is going to lead to. We're going to see Lana wrestle for the first time. But you talk about a fall from grace. Here's a guy in Rusev that came out with a tank at WrestleMania and wrestled John Cena. And now here he is lost in the mix. And yeah. and, and I and I anticipate in the not-too-distant future, he's going to be a guy that we'll see exclusively on Superstars. So, um, but we'll see. We shall see. I mean, I I hope that doesn't happen to Rusev because I think he's a great talent. Um, and I don't see him being the, the – I don't think he goes the way of superstars. But when let's talk about this for a half second. When you hit that brick wall that is John Cena, where do you go from there? I mean, we can talk about that with Kevin Owens a bit later. But, I mean, he's the top star in the company. There really is nowhere to go but down, right? Unless you're Seth Rollins. But Seth Rollins never hit the brick wall that was John Cena. Yeah. 
Well, I, I mean, I listen, I, I, I agree. And I mean, and I think we could do it a whole podcast on that, to be honest. I mean, because, uh, I mean, we saw what happened to Ryback and it took Ryback almost a, oh, it took Ryback more than a year before he was able to, to, to recover from that. So, yeah. Um, well, let's move on to, um, Stephen Amell and, uh, the man who WWE forgot his first name, Neville versus Stardust <laughs> and, uh, King Barrett, who's not actually a king. This matchup was actually fun, and uh, as as I thought it would be, and Stephen Amell really impressed. I think we may see Stephen Amell again in the WWE ring. Um, I'll hedge my bets and say we will never see him again competing <laughs> in a WWE ring, but he was impressive. Um, my biggest knock to Stephen Amell was a couple of things. I mean, well, really only one thing, and it's it's a very stupid, superficial thing. I didn't like his ring gear. He didn't look like a superhero. He looked like he looked too much like Dashing Cody Rhodes. <laughs> I mean, Dashing Cody Rhodes had the same sleeveless hoodie. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was weird. And he was wrestling in shorts that made him look smaller. I don't understand that. He should have wrestled in like some long tights. I was watching you this tonight uh, at my house, and one of my friends said that he had perfected the dad bod. So, <laughs> he's who? Stephen Amell? Yeah, yeah. The guy's ripped. Well, I, I I don't know. He the commander is is chiseled. I mean, he's more I, ri- he's more ripped than I am. Well, he, well, that's not saying much. But well, he's more go. he. <laughs> I mean, I mean, no one's as ripped as Neville or Barrett. Um, but I mean, the guy was in is was in some serious shape and and showed some uh, athletic ability in the ring. I thought it was fun. Um, I I love that he dived off the top rope. You know, we got to see a flying arrow off the top rope and then a red arrow to follow that. So, I mean, it was a fun match. It wasn't longer than it needed to be. It was just the right amount of time, about seven and a half minutes. Uh, it, was, it was something to kind of give us a little breather. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. And I'm glad, you know, of course, Stephen Amell and Neville had to win. I mean, that was the only thing for them. Um, where does Starbu- Stardust and King Barrett go from here, man? I want to see Stardust be the Intercontinental Champion or something. Because at first I thought the character was stupid. But if you listen to this man's promos, Stardust is a star, yeah. When it comes to promos, I mean, and in ring ability, but he he really can cut a promo like no other. And he's found the honky tonk man gimmick, which is like that gimmick to where no matter how old he gets, no matter how many years later, they can always bring back Stardust, and he'll always receive pop, and people always know who he is. So he's really in a great position. But I'd like to see him rise up the ranks a little bit. Do you think Stardust could be the next Intercontinental Champion? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's feasible. I really do. I mean, um, I think, you know, a, a program with him and Ryback, think about that. That could be some entertaining matches. But uh, I agree. But, you know, speaking of, let's get to it. The triple threat match for the WWE Intercontinental Championship. The shortest match of the entire night saw Ryback. Perfectly, the- perfectly booked, by the way. Perfectly booked because it went quickly. It wasn't overexposed. Uh, and, um, by the way, The Miz is a star. All Duh! Right? What I have mean, I been saying? I mean, what have I been saying? The, the, the Miz, The Miz made this match tonight, and I want The Miz back in the main event picture. I don't think he'll ever be in the main event. I he wish needs he would to be. be. He deserves to be. Hey, I wouldn't mind him winning the U.S. championship here down the road, and we can talk about maybe how that can happen. Um, but, uh, the Miz is a star. God, he's you, so and, consistent. And he got a, and he got a damn good pop tonight, by the way, too. He did because he's, 
Because he's embracing everything that the fans have always talked about him, have always said about him. And he's embracing it and he's running with it, so he's getting over with him. He doesn't have that go away heat anymore. He's got like legitimate like the Miz is entertaining heat. Yeah. Um the Big Show, on the other hand, got got not the greatest reaction. And I'm a fan of the Big Show. I like the Big Show. It's funny, you compare Orton, you don't want him to go down the same path to the Big Show. And I wanted to say this at the beginning of the podcast is that Randy Orton has only been in WWE three years shorter than the Big Show. Isn't that incredible when you think about it? Like there's only a three-year difference in the two of them. I think about Big Show in 2002, and it seemed like he was there forever. And now in 2015, it seems like he's always been a part of my uh, WWE wrestling watching. Um, but I think he, he just gets too much hate. He gets more hate than he deserves. In my opinion, but what about that shell shock? Oh, it was I mean, it, it, you know, I mean, I, I thought he was going to try and get them both up, but he did hit it on Big Show, and and for me that was uh, that was enough. But um, well, think about this, Big Show, and this can be a little controversial statement. Big Show is a more giving giant than Andre the Giant ever was. Big Show will let people. Pick him up and slam him. Let people, you know, let people do their finishers to him consistently so they can get over. That's He's part, all about putting but people that's, over. That's part of the problem. And that, that's, that's, here's the thing. You can't convince me. And, and the WWE has had a hard time of convincing other people as well that this is one of the most dominant athletes in the history of professional wrestling or sports entertainment when the guy consistently loses to people who are half his size. I mean, well, well so, Matt, he doesn't so, need to win anymore. Well, Why does he need to win? He, he beat Hulk Hogan in his very first match for the WCW championship. He has been a WWE yeah, champion. But, but Brad, he's been Brad, a world heavyweight champion Brad, and he's been an ECW champion. You and I, the only man no, to do that. Well, well, first of all, that ECW title wasn't worth a damn at that point. And secondly, you and I both know he was WCW champion because we are hardcore wrestling fans. But how many mainstream wrestling fans look at the big show today and say, oh, wow, this guy's a legitimate threat. Every time he goes out there, he ends up losing. I mean, it's it's like it, to this point, like I, I almost look at the big show as like a Looney Tunes character who somebody ties his shoestrings together and he trips over himself. It's it's really it's really getting embarrassing. It's getting. Are you saying are you saying that the Big Show is a monster? Yeah, I am. Well, he is not a monster. Yeah, yeah. he but, is but, a superstar. But see, but see, you made that connection, so you know what I'm talking about. But, well, I um, knew what you were referring to because I'm up on my Space Jam references. I'm sure you. But are. but I want to say, like, I mean, we have to do a show dedicated to the Big Show and Andre the Giant one day. Well, that will, because well, well, okay. Well, if we're doing it to Andre, that's fine. But if we're doing it just to Big Show, it'll be the the least listened to show we've ever done. I disagree because I think the Big Show will go down in history as the best giant of all time. Well, I, I, I couldn't disagree more, but let's move on and talk about Bray Wyatt and Luke Harper versus Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns. I, um, I was my least favorite match of the night. Mine, mine as well. Um, a lot of opportunities to do things in this matchup. This thing played out about as, um, as, as stale as it could possibly play out. I don't even know. I mean, if you're going to book a match to go the direction that this match went, I don't understand why you book it this way in the first place, why you book it at all. Um, you talk about a guy. I, who, just, it, no, what's no, what's the on. point? What's the point? Well, let, let me let me ask you this. 
Because you talk about how the Big Show is supposed to be this big monster, but he always loses. Um, that has never been more true with one man named Bray Wyatt. I agree. That's one big match the man's ever won. Was I, it Daniel Bryan at the Royal Rumble? I That's agree. the only thing he's ever done worth a damn. I'm agreeing we're with supposed you. To be, I know, but we're supposed to be afraid of this man. He's supposed to be a legitimate threat. When he enters, ooh, watch out. Bray Wyatt's going to kill somebody. He's never done anything. He has not done one thing in the WWE that's worth a damn. He loses to Cena. He loses to Undertaker. He loses to Dean Ambrose in every feud. He loses to Roman Reigns. He loses to everybody. The man is a loser. I mean, Why Bray, should I put any stock in Bray Wyatt or the Wyatt family? Bray Wyatt has become a mid-card comic book character. Bray, Bray, Bray Wyatt is the penguin in the 60s. That, that's, that's, Bray that's, Wyatt's the penguin. Yeah, that's, that's, that's who Bray Wyatt has become. I mean, I don't, I don't buy. I mean, listen, if I go to a live WWE show like the like the ones we've been to before, if the Wyatt family comes out, I'll you know lights go out, I'll take out my cell phone and I'll turn the flashlight on and wave it around because that's what everybody else does, and that's cool. And but what's funny is that when 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 Daniel Bryan was setting the world on fire and was showing everybody that he was the best worker in the world, we had people inside the company telling us that it was the chant that was over and not Daniel Bryan. It just to me it's just crazy. They they continue to push this guy like he is the next face of evil. When in reality no one can buy into this at all because you've buried his character over and over and over again. So I'm not in on this at all. The other thing I'm concerned about is we had the biggest event of the summer. Some could argue the biggest event of the year, that this might have been better than WrestleMania. Roman Reigns is supposed to be your next big guy. I didn't see anything from him tonight that shows me that they're moving him forward. I and I still am confused with what's going on with Dean Ambrose. Just to me, this 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 matchup, there were so many opportunities wasted. And that's yeah. my opinion on it. I mean, I, I agree wholeheartedly. The penguin uh comparison is spot on. Uh, because, oh, I mean, he's exact, that's exactly who he is. He's the penguin. The penguin might be a villain in, in, in the world of Batman, but does anyone ever take the penguin seriously? No. He's the penguin. No. <laughs> you just laugh and you go, wah, 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 wah. I mean, the man isn't intimidating at all. He's a penguin. Um, and, and I think that's what Bray Wyatt is. He's the penguin. That's a great comparison. And with Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose, I mean, where do you go? I don't know. I don't know where where they go from here. I mean, uh, I was actually at first interested in a, in a Roman Reigns Bray Wyatt feud, but I mean, it lost steam almost automatically with me. I still believe in Reigns. I still believe he has the ability to be the guy. We saw that at WrestleMania 31. Anyone who says they didn't is 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 an idiot um, because he had a great match. He had a great match at Fastlane with Daniel Bryan. Then he had an incredible match with Brock Lesnar in the main event. Uh, so he's still a star. Well, it Dean Ambrose. It helps when you it, it helps when you're working with world class talent, though. Well, it does, but but you still. Here's the thing: I couldn't get in there with Brock Lesnar and have a match like that, as good as he is. I couldn't get in there with Daniel Bryan. You think? Do you think? Uh, you think Diego from Los Matadores could have a main event match with either one of those guys, and it'd be as good? No, I mean the man has talent, and we can't we can't knock him. For being in the ring with good guys and having good matches, because I mean, it takes two to tango. Well, let's move on and talk about John Cena versus Seth Rollins. First of all, I was shocked that this matchup came in the virtual uh, middle of the card. 
But you know what? In retrospect, I thought it made sense considering, you know, the, the type of night that we had and all the matches and the length of the pay-per-view. Um, well, it came dead center. I mean, it literally went on at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock or whatever. Well, 8 o'clock, yeah, it came yeah. in right on 8 o'clock. And so it was the middle of the show. Um, and you needed a main event. You're not going to put Taker Lesnar there. So I think it was the right, right spot for so, it. So, so let me just tell you off the cuff. My first reaction to this match. There's a lot that we can talk about, and we will. My first reaction to this match is this. Because of this match, because of this match, Seth Rollins is my favorite sports entertainer probably of all time. <laughs> yeah. You're insane. No, I'm not insane. I'm not. Did you watch the match? I saw the match. So, I saw the match. So what are you telling me? I'm telling you that Seth Rollins is it. When Seth Rollins' career is over, he will be one of the biggest stars ever in this business. And tonight he showed it. This guy carried this match. This guy was the star. The star. Seth Rollins has it all. He has everything. And I am so glad that he walked out with both championships because there are so many possibilities tomorrow night. But Seth Rollins is absolute gold. He is a human ATM. That's what this guy uh, is. Well, well, let, let me tell you. Spectacular. Let, let me tell you who the actual ATM is of the WWE. That is John Cena. You can't, you can't discredit anything that that man did in the ring aside from the springboard stunner, which didn't look great at all. And I saw Stone Cold Steve Austin saying the move isn't worth a damn on Twitter during the middle of the match. But John Cena is still you know, the man. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. I'm glad you brought that up. You know what else isn't worth a damn? Being hit with a superplex and then being carried over into a sit-out suplex and still kicking out of it. That's not worth a damn either. And that needs to change. And we've had uh, other people. He's had, John Cena. Oh, oh, so he's this Superman. This is a main event match. He is Superman, Matt. Yeah. Are you kidding me? He is. He is Superman. I am John so Cena's glad been the Seth Rollins. I'm so glad Seth Rollins walked out because it's time for a change. What is going on with you? That's disrespectful. Because, no, 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 no. You're being disrespectful to the to the number one star of all time from the business. And and so when you said yourself. You've been team seen on the show for the last I have been. two months, and, and, listen, and all I, of a sudden you're turning heel on. I'm, listen, I'm not turning heel on it, but what I'm yes, saying, you are. No, what I'm saying is, you have a guy that just got hit with a superplex, gets picked up and put into a into a sit out suplex, and then still kicks out of it. Did you see that spot? That was yeah, one of the I, mo- I know what you're that, that was one of the most spectacular spots I've ever seen, and he still kicks out of that. Yeah. That's a problem. He's a 15-time world Just, champion. He's John Cena. He, he Rick Flair he, Rick, Rick Flair arguably is a 21, they want to say 16, well, but arguably a 21-time champion and he's he would, 16. He wouldn't have kicked out of that spot. Okay? Well, Rick Flair as much as I love Rick isn't John Cena. And he his his contributions to the business are endless. But so are John Cena's. And when we talk about strictly WWE history, John Cena's had the longest run and has been the biggest draw in the company of all time. He has made the company more money than Hogan and Austin ever will in his period. I I, I don't disagree with that. I, I, okay, so 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 don't knock the man because he kicked out of a suplex. I, I okay. Just, I just, how many times? How many times? Does I don't like the spot. His, I, I don't. I don't like the spot. And I don't. Okay, think- then don't do the spot. 
They blame okay. Rollins for that because he right. probably called the spot. No, so blame I'm, your I'm, golden boy. I'm for that. pretty, I'm pretty sure he did. But listen, here's what I here's what I will give Cena credit for. The figure four to try and win the title. Incredible. That that Incredible that that, that spot. was a, that was a wonderful troll job. So I got to give him credit Incredible. for that. Incredible. Here's the thing about John Cena. First of all, let me point this out to begin with. Seth Rollins and the New Day might form a new stable because they were wearing the same gear tonight. But <laughs> But that aside, I am not whatsoever one iota mad that Seth Rollins walked out with the championships. I'm not mad at that, okay? What I'm mad about is the finish to this match. This is the goofiest, corniest, most idiotic finish to a SummerSlam championship match of all time. All time. John Stewart interrupts the match to cause Seth Rollins to win. You talk about booking – you were talking about the problem of booking Seth Rollins recently, how he, he hasn't been made to look like a legitimate champion. He's lost – unofficially didn't beat Brock. He's lost to John Cena on television. He's done this. He's done that, right? He hadn't had a clean victory, um, and, and this helps him. He can't beat John Cena, so he has to have the former host – of the Daily Show and the man who had a co-starring role in Big Daddy, he has to have him help him to win the United States Championship. What does that make Seth Rollins look like? He could be a star in the match, but he can't win without a comedian. Seriously, I'm so pro WWE all the time, but what a stupid finish. What a dumb finish to this match. So idiotic. I can't even believe it happened. I've always liked Stephen Colbert more, and I knew why. You're upset, aren't you? A, a tad. You know if what? If Seth would have went over clean with a pedigree, amazing match, I would have had no problems with it. But the way that it went down was stupid, and I would love to hear you defend it. Well, here's the thing. If you're going to sit here and defend John Cena kicking out of a superplex into a sit-out suplex – then I can easily defend John Stewart so, so, turning so heel. No, 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 no. Because, okay, because, 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 all, because let's, let's hold on a minute. No, hold on a minute. Because they're both equally ridiculous. No, they're no. both equally ridiculous. We're talking Are about a man. We're talking about a man that has taken a bump from a cinder block before. All right, and still managed to find a way to. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Get up. This is John Cena, a guy who is uh, virtually unstoppable, even though we still have to believe that we live in the reality era. So if you kick out of a superplex into a sit-out suplex, then by all means, bring John Stewart on. Hell, they should have brought Donald Trump. They should have brought Rosie O'Donnell down. I would have been happy if Stone Cold showed up with a beer truck. I mean, at that point, what the hell does it matter? Because he shouldn't have kicked out from that spot in the first place. Then don't call the spot Matt Topolsky. That's not his fault. That that is that I, I'm going to guarantee that, that spot was called by Seth Rollins. That why call that? Why would Cena call that? Here's the thing. I honestly, I really the, the, the finish. I understand why people are upset about it. It's still fresh in my mind, so I haven't really made a determination about whether or not I'm upset about it. But what I will say is this: I feel like it reeks of running out of ideas. Honestly. Oh. I feel, I feel, I feel like that finish was one of those things where it was like, well, we have John Stewart here. What can we do with him that will help um, grab headlines for us? Okay, okay. And, 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 if, and if that's the case, it's very disrespectful to the um, to the championship match, but also putting it in the middle of the card, some could argue is as well. So, well, I don't know if that's disrespectful because honestly, and and Seth Rollins might fall into the CM Punk zone here. Because Seth Rollins versus John Cena isn't a bigger match than Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar. Uh, Seth Rollins versus John Cena isn't a bigger match than John Cena versus Brock Lesnar. Seth Rollins versus John Cena isn't a bigger match than The Undertaker versus John Cena. And I think that's, I think the, the position of the match has to do more with Seth Rollins than it does anything well, else. Well, well, I mean, uh, and to a certain extent, I would agree with that. But, it, you know, when you consider the fact that The Undertaker made his debut in 1990, he may have had a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, of an advantage. When you uh, talk about Brock Lesnar making his debut in, what was it, 2003, he may have a little bit of advantage. When you think about John Cena making his to debut in 2005, 2006, he may have a little bit of advantage as well. Well, so, well Cena and Lesnar both debuted in 2002, but okay. Continue. Well, well, I mean, wh- whatever the case may be, you know exactly where I'm going with this. I mean, Seth Rollins has been in the WWE for a minute compared to these other stars. And, uh, and arguably he's already got just as much crossover appeal, if not more, than, uh, certainly the Undertaker, who once again is, is, uh, trapped down by his character, but we've talked about that in the past. Um, so with that being said, well, no, I, I disagree. With you I think because... I think I think this is a great performance tonight from Seth Rollins. And here's the thing about Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins reminds me a lot of Ric Flair because Ric Flair is the type of guy. that No, listen, Ric Flair is the type of guy that was constantly used as this chicken shit heel that would run and hide. But when it mattered most, he showed up. And he found a way to defend his title. And that's exactly okay, what Seth well, yeah, Rollins did tonight. I'll, I'll agree with you on that. But this is what I want to say. You're talking about Seth Rollins had, hadn't had much time to get over. Right? I mean, essentially what you're saying. He's been in WWE why, for two years. Well, he's been in there since 2012. So three years is when he made his debut at Survivor Series 2012. But and let, he's let, been let, WWE let, let, champion since WrestleMania. Okay. Hold him up, though. One second, TP. Um, you talk about a guy... In a short amount of time getting over, 
Let's talk about in two years main eventing WrestleMania, and that is The Rock. And guess what? Back then, if this were the same scenario, The Rock would be main eventing that match because he was more over with the crowd than Seth Rollins is. Point blank, period. I don't, I don't care what you say. Seth is in the position because he's not that over. As over as, as John Cena, Undertaker, or Brock Lesnar. At this point. Now, does he have the ability to be down the road? Yeah. But I'm saying, like, it's not a disgrace to the WWE Championship because Seth Rollins is, is in the middle of the show. And here's the thing. I do believe this. I think Seth Rollins is an incredible performer. I think he's top three right now in WWE. No question at all about it. Is he the best sports entertainer of all time? I mean, I don't think that we've seen enough for that determination to be made. Um, but I do believe this, and you can argue with me if you want, that this is a case of the title making the man and not the man making the title. Well, listen. Agree or disagree? Well, listen. Much like with the Rock comparison and what he did in that era, our next match would have been a bra and panties match. It's okay. Like an actual wrestling match. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, true, true, true. So, but still, The Rock is the most charismatic, is more charismatic than Seth Rollins. Watch how he got the over with the crowd easier. In a short amount of time, the man's main event. Okay. The man overcame, overcame not only, uh, uh, well, well, but the Rock, but racial odds. And I mean, everything was stacked against well, listen, him. Listen, listen, listen. The, the, the Rock also did it as a face. And to be honest, um, Seth Rollins is dressed. He did it as a heel. And to be honest, the uh, Seth Rollins is dressed in a gimp outfit, and that that come on, overcoming that is uh, that's a feat in itself. So, <laughs> well, okay. Well, last thing I want to say about this match <laughs> because um, I I decided to take a, a book out of the Topolsky playbook or page out of the Topolsky playbook. Very smart. And uh, well, you know, some people might say so, um, others might disagree, but. I decided to go on Twitter and have a little bit of fun with the WWE universe. And I, I just want to say this. I want to say this. I'm, I'm going to put it out there because it's all because of me. It was me, Austin. Um, on heated conversations today, earlier in the day, which by the way, Matt Topolsky, you need to listen to the show. You got a good shout out from the Hall of Famer Booker T. Oh, but, thank you. um, you can get the podcast now on play.it. Thanks. Uh, no big deal. Thanks, book. Yeah. There you go. Go. Um, some great, great show. We had that tough Tanner on uh, Tanner from Tough Enough. I mean, but anyway, I pointed out to him the JBL said no man has ever held the world championship and the United States championship in WWE at the same time, which is incorrect. If you go back to July of 2001, like Booker T pointed out on the pre-show, and as the WWE Universe official Twitter account tweeted out, Booker T is the first man in WWE to hold both the United States Championship and the World Heavyweight Championship. I put that out there on Twitter because WWE put out a picture of Seth Rollins saying for the first time ever, a man holds the two championships. I said, for the first time ever? Are you sure about that? Now, my Twitter instantaneously blew up, Matt Topolsky. It did. And I had a bunch of WWE Universe Nimrods against my point. But my point is correct because at the 2013 TLC pay-per-view, the lineages of the WWE Championship and the World Heavyweight Championship combined to form one undisputed title. Now, the history is still tied to that one championship. So, Booker T was the first man to hold a World Heavyweight Championship in WWE 
and the United States champion, making Seth Rollins the second ever man to do that. Just wanted to point that out. Um, no, I mean, you are correct. That, that, that is the case. But, I mean, this wouldn't be the first time that uh, WWE ha- has completely rewritten history, would it not be? Well, I don't know. But I'm, I'm using something that I like to call hashtag kayfabe continuity. <laughs> And Booker T. Good luck getting that team. over. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag kayfabe continuity. Yeah. <laughs> it's the new campaign. And guess what? I'm you're, calling everybody out from now you're, on. You're an idiot. Hashtag <laughs> kayfabe continuity. Listen, we, let's move on. <laughs> Get some once some let's, sucker. Let's move on from this garbage. Let's. <laughs> Garbage. We're talking about the most decorated champion in the history of professional wrestling. Uh, listen, um, we, the next. The, God damn it. Um, Kayfabe continuity. Hashtag. <laughs> the shirts are coming. Check pro wrestling. Are they? Dot com. Right, so, so, so does, it's continuity. Does it start on the front of the shirt? And it moves to the back. <laughs> Hey, listen, we got Team Bella versus Team Bad versus Team B, uh, PCB, um, a.k.a. the Submission Sorority, a.k.a. we'll never mention that again, a.k.a. hashtag kayfabe continuity. <laughs> um, this, uh, this match was um, received universally across social media, at least from what I saw, as the worst match of the night. Um, what, 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 what what did you think of this? I mean, I was happy to see, um, Becky uh, Lynch get the pinfall for my friends in Ireland, but, um, I, I did think this match drug on a little bit. Uh, well, the third longest match in the entire card. Yes. Um, my, I I liked it. I liked the match. I love the divas. I think the revolution is continuing strong. Um, now was it the match that we saw last night on NXT takeover? Uh, no. Not at all. Um, but was it um, still a good match? Yeah. I mean, uh, the, my biggest problem with the match is that Sasha Banks wasn't utilized to the best of her ability. She could have done so much more in this match. Um, team Bad is obviously the number three team in WWE's mind. And for that reason, I don't know why, because Sasha Banks is such a star. But... Team PCB winning, I'm not a fan of at all. The the Bella should have won. We've seen Nikki Bella and Brie Bella and Alicia Fox consistently lose on television. Nikki Bella actually tapping out to Sasha Banks on Raw. And they they do all that and they put all these girls over just to continue to lose? What's that about? And Team Submission Sorority, Bang Brothers Production, uh, Paige, Charlotte, and Becky Lynch. I mean, here's the thing. I, Becky Lynch is cool. I'm not 100% sold on her. Charlotte is a boss. No offense, Sasha Banks. And Paige is my least favorite WWE diva of all time. So, I mean, I don't like PCB at all. Wow. What? Your least favorite diva of all time? Yeah. I'm just, I don't like Paige one bit. I'm just going to go on record and say I would make sweet love to that woman. Well, I mean, you you can you can you you can make sweet love to that Elmer's glue complected oh, woman all oh you want. Oh my to. God, are you serious right now? What are we talking about here? But Paige is my least favorite WWE diva of all time. Hey, listen, uh, Paige, let's let's stop. Let's stop with the nonsense. I know that I know that you're upset because she she acts a little. What would you say, witch ish? 
Witchy. Witch, witchy. She acts a little witchy on, on Tough Enough, but um, I, I, I like she. Her appearance on Tough Enough has completely soured me of Paige forevermore. Just saying. Power of television, ladies and gentlemen. You know, it's fascinating because WWE is pretending with this show and this match like the TakeOver event didn't happen the night before. When these girls, Charlotte, Becky Lynch, and um, Sasha Banks all stood in the ring together and all gave each other props and all hugged each other. They're all acting as if it never happened. Um, well, they also acted like the uh, the uh, curtain call never happened for a long time. Uh, well, exactly. So um, that that in itself was fascinating. To me, I, whoever won or lost this matchup, I don't really think is, is that important as long as the Divas were, were showcased, and they obviously were. So... Uh, We'll have to see what, what, what comes of it, but uh, obviously I think there was a, a stronger statement made for women's wrestling last night at the NXT TakeOver event than there was tonight at SummerSlam. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with you, but I still think that progress was made for the Divas Revolution tonight. Uh, whether whether you like the match or not, I thought these girls put their bodies on the line, they put together an entertaining match, and uh, two words for you, Nikki Bella. Oh. Brother. Well, Kevin Owens versus Cesaro. Uh, the match that led us into Brock Lesnar versus The Undertaker. And uh, Kevin Owens had that moment tonight, in my opinion, where um, people appreciated his grit and his, um, his determination. And I think that that is going to go a long way for him. I, I think there's a chance we may see Kevin Owens working as a face here in the near future. Um, wow. I mean, I, you know, that's, that's actually a very interesting way of looking at it. Um, Kevin Owens impressed tonight. Uh, but you know what? To be honest with you, I was a little disappointed with this match. And not because it was bad whatsoever. Good match, solid match, right? But my expectations for the match kind of outweighed my my uh, enjoyment of the match because I had so much in my head, like of what these two competitors could do with each other and and the kind of the kind of show they could put on, especially given that prime spot right before the main event. Like, I mean, some people call it the dead spot, but I but I look at you, you're technically the semi main event, so you need you need to work your butt off in that match. And I, I feel like they did a lot of good stuff. But it just, you know, it was like the season finale of Seinfeld. When you go back and you look at it, it wasn't bad at all. It was actually quite good. But it didn't live up to the finale that I wrote in my head, which was so much better. You know what I mean? And I think that I think this match was victim of, of that. It's, at least in my mind, it was because I, like I said, I had such high hopes for it. When I was when I was watching this matchup, I wasn't thinking that it was the lead-in to uh, to Lesnar Taker. I mean, I, so for, for me, and I don't know for a lot of the fans there, if they were, like, counting the matches and they could tell, like, that was coming up next because they, they obviously were engaged in the match. And um, so I, I really don't know what more you can see. What, what, what I will say about Kevin Owens is this. It's impressive to me that he put on the performance that he did last night at the TakeOver event. And then tonight at SummerSlam, he wrestles once again and puts 100% in once again. Back-to-back -back nights. I think if anyone well, is the MVP of this weekend, it's certainly Kevin Owens. Well, I mean, I get what you're saying, definitely. I mean, the man put on two good matches, two solid matches back-to-back. -back. But, I mean, at the same time, 
these guys are WWE superstars. They do travel 300 days a year, and they're wrestling pretty much every night in a different city. So, I mean, essentially the man was doing his job. He wasn't pulling double duty. He just It just felt like that because he was on television two nights in a row. Um, but, I mean, they do this in live events all the time. Most of these guys have wrestled uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, so, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but – at the same time, he's a pro wrestler. That's his job to wrestle 300 days a year. Yeah, I mean, I understand that, but I mean, we're not talking about wrestling at a house show. I mean, we're, we're talking about wrestling at arguably NXT's biggest event of all time, and then following up with WWE's second biggest, if not biggest, event of the year. And uh, oh, definitely second biggest, but you know, yeah. and, and and doing doing a phenomenal <laughs> job of it. Well, let's move on to the main event, the the much publicized main event, and uh, the reason why so many people. Uh, Checked out a free trial of the WWE Network. Uh, I, I've been a subscriber of the WWE Network from day one. Um, Same here. Uh, but I have yet to receive, um, you know, a voucher in my email for any free products or. I actually discounts. got one that I that I now qualified due to my long loyal service to the <laughs> sure. WWE Network sure for a have. free sure for a have. free month. Yeah. I have, and I've gotten a gift certificate from them before too. Have you? I, they they send you a fruit, like you. Did they send you a fruit basket as well? No, I got an edible arrangement. It was that same thing. Okay, yes. Um, anyway. Brock Lesnar versus The Undertaker. Um, I've had some time now since we've been talking about the rest of the card to, to fully digest this. And um, good heavens. Good heavens good or good heavens bad? I'm confused. Honestly, yeah, I'm 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 confused, and, and 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 I guess I guess what that means is that a pay per view of this magnitude, an, an event of this magnitude, should never leave people confused. Um, I, just uh, what what an what an awful finish. Okay, so you you are going with the awful finish. Yeah, um, but I'm not I'm not. But here's the thing: I'm not going with the awful finish of like the angry fanboy on Twitter. Awful finish. I'm going with the awful finish of, man, that really happened. You know, yeah. I mean, like that, that we, we waited all this time and we had all this buildup for that. And it's not like this is, this is an event. It's not like we're watching UFC where we, we know we're going to see things happen from time to time that we're not that excited about because this is real life. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about something that is predetermined and scripted. I think we could have done better than that. Do you disagree with me? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, there's there's definitely the potential to do way better than what was given. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with you at all. Um, this is my this is my feel. This this is what I want to say. Um, is that the match was excellent? Now let's let's not talk about the finish. Let's talk about the match for a half second. The match was excellent, was it not? Up until the finish, it was fantastic. Okay, yeah. I mean, tell me that that match, if I wish that that match up until the finish was the match they had at WrestleMania. Because to me, if we, and this is what sucks about the finish, because to me, if we, if we had a different finish, that would have been the match of the year. In my mind, no question at all. Think about all the stuff that we saw in that match. I mean, first of all, I thought for sure with the way the crowd was swaying, the Undertaker was going to get booed out of the building. But he didn't. He didn't get booed. He got cheered maybe louder than Lesnar um, at his entrance. So I was already confused. What were you expecting? Were you expecting 
um, a heel taker. What, what, what were your thoughts going into the match? Um, I'm, hell, I was confused from the moment that I saw John Stewart confronting uh, Paul Heyman and basically turning this into a heel Brock deal after we've seen Undertaker go heel on Lesnar for two months. So I'm like, okay, so now they're positioning Brock to be the heel, even though every time Taker shows up, he hits Brock in the nuts, you know? So that, to me, I I was just confused. I was confused by the entire thing. I I think that there there was a lot of convoluted booking that occurred during this show, and nothing could have been a better example of that than this main event because you didn't know who was coming in heel, who was coming in face, um, you know what? I, and it's, at this point, it's like I'm just gonna go ahead and accept that bad guys and good guys don't exist in wrestling anymore, and that's fine. But if that's the case, then let's take off the PG moniker. I, I don't even know, I, honestly, like Brad, I don't even know what to think about all this because now I'm like, okay, so, and, and there are people that can argue, well, because of the finish, both characters have been protected, but have they really? Okay, let, let me put it to you this way. Um. You're, you're playing, you know, the, the championship baseball game, right? You, you are, are, are one of the players on, on this incredible team and y'all are going for the, uh, the Matt Topolsky championship. Uh, they've named it that because you've won the thing every single year, right? And then this guy who hadn't played baseball in a long time decides to join the other team. And guess what, Matt? He kicks your ass so bad that you decide to just go away for a while, right? And then you're like, you know what? I can't stand that man for beating me. You grow resentment to him, and then you start to get mad at yourself for ever losing to him to begin with. So when you decide to make your triumphant return to to baseball and go after that Matt Topolsky Cup, you're like, you know what? I'm going to do whatever it takes to beat this man. If it means me when I'm at the mountain beating him in the head with a pitch, I'm going to do it. If I got to slide into him because he's the second baseman when I'm stealing that base and dig my cleats into his ankle, guess what? I'm going to do it because I'm not walking out a loser again. That's not happening to me. Not another time because I'm going to reclaim that title that I carried for so many years. Right? You're going to do whatever you have to do to win. And so the low blow situation, I see that as being completely within Undertaker's um, rights as a character in, in when you talk about ring psychology. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Am I wrong? I guess it just depends on how you want to present the Undertaker in his um, in his swan song and his, his final curtain call, if you will. I mean, we're not stupid. We all know that, that uh, the Undertaker's run is coming to an end. And, oh, yeah. and, and so, I mean, if this is the way you want to present him, because you're trying to present, you're trying to protect him and Brock at the same time, it doesn't make any sense to me. I, I don't, I don't know how much longer The Undertaker has left, but I think most of us assume that he's got possibly one more match left in him. The WWE. Well, I don't know. But no, continue. No, continue. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, I mean, I, I would think that the WWE has put considerably more stock in Brock Lesnar, a guy that is, uh, 10 years, actually more than 10 years younger than the 50 year old Undertaker. 
um, who has already said he will never work in UFC again and has also stated that he is enjoying this run much more than he ever has. So there's a good possibility that he may re-sign again after this next point. On top of all that, you've built him as a beast for the last few years. He's the guy that ended the streak, and he's widely considered the most dominant athlete in sports entertainment. So I don't understand why you even have to make a choice between protecting one and not the other. The clear choice is Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is the future. The Undertaker, well, okay, well, the, the, the Undertaker is the past. Well, don't don't sway heel on Taker here, man. Because I don't need to heel. Uh, listen, Taker's already swayed heel himself. So, well, well, good good point on that one. I don't think that that one one. I don't think hitting him in the nuts makes him a heel. As crazy as that sounds, I don't think this makes Undertaker a heel. Do you you look at him as a heel for hitting him in the balls three so, times? So, so a guy who taps out and then claims victory afterwards is not a heel. What is that? No. no. He's not. He's a man who still who still hurts from that loss. Well, it's pretty sad that a fifty year old man is is being presented as a tweener in the twilight of his career because that's he's, not, he's not a tweener. That's what they're doing to him. That's no, what they're, they're not. I'm, I, this, I'm sorry, but this fence sitting doesn't work for me. I mean, he's not, he's it, not sitting on the fence, man. It is. It's he's the Undertaker. He's the phenom. Is Matt? It's the reality era, right? So let's look at this from a logistical standpoint. The man was upset. Have you ever been? Okay, look, Matt Tafolsky, would you consider yourself a bad guy? No. No, you're not a bad guy, right? Have you ever gotten angry and maybe said something to someone that you shouldn't have or maybe put your hands on somebody because you were angry momentarily? But I mean, so you're using that to excuse Taker's behavior over the last few months? He's done it multiple times. Three times. You I mean, know why? They, they, they built him as a heel. I've watched wrestling no. my whole life. I know what a heel looks like. And it doesn't look like The Undertaker. Yes, it does. It looks no, exactly what it looks like. That's no, exa- and, then he, and then he wins the match. And then he wins the match by a low blow and, ta- and and basically choking a guy out after he had already tapped and then claiming victory. That is that is classic heel wrestling this is this is inside baseball ladies and gentlemen but it is so easy to comprehend no he's not a heel he's not a heel in in this in this day and age this reality era i mean look i saw stone cold kick people in the nuts and hit them with a stunner to get a victory before and that made him a heel no the man won the match he the man offended avenged the biggest loss in his career. That is what he was set out to do. He did that. That does he not make do him it. a heel. He, he tapped out on camera. He but, tapped who, out. Who won the match? He tapped out. Who won the match? Let me ask you a question. No, answer mine first. Who won the match? Well, uh, well obviously, the Undertaker won a scripted match. Well, script. then he the, the Undertaker won a scripted match. But let me ask you Oh, this. oh thanks. Now, now you're going to bury pro wrestling? <laughs> I mean, you've done it in the past, so listen. I'm not burying pro wrestling. I'm not burying pro wrestling. I'm simply saying that we we can all see how the Undertaker is being presented, but that's that's inconsequential at this point. The finish of the match. How did you feel about the finish of the match? Um, okay, now now we can talk about something that that maybe you could have an intelligent opinion on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the finish of the match was very confusing. Okay, so we see Lesnar having him in the uh, the Kimura lock, right? Now Lesnar, you know what? 
I figured this whole thing out. Now, Lesnar lays down. You know, just like we see people sometimes in the figure four. If, if you're Even if you're putting the figure four on another man, if you lay your shoulders down, the referee is in his right to count the three. If, 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 it, if it's necessary, right? He's got to count because someone's shoulders are down. Another man is over him. So the three count's going to start. So Brock had was on his back while he had the Undertaker. He leaned back onto his shoulders, so the referee decided to count to three. Now, it is not – it is almost a saving grace, though, that Brock just happened to roll back on his shoulders as the Undertaker tapped out. That was just played – in, 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 in the uh, the hand of the Undertaker, luck was on his side. Um, and, and that's not his fault. We should not uh, uh, look at Undertaker as a heel because luck was on his side, first off. Now, why did the bell ring? The bell rang because the timekeeper – now, right now, this is, these aren't actually my real opinion. This is my real feelings on the finish. This is me rationalizing it. But – the bell ringer saw, the timekeeper saw Undertaker's hand tap out, right? So as a reactionary method, just as, the, as he does for every match, when he sees the finish, sometimes before the referee rings the bell, we see what happens. We know that he won. We don't need the referee to wave his hand and point a finger to know that th- this man won, right? So he sees him tap out. So he's like, okay, boom, match is over. Then the referee turns around. Undertaker low blows because he's just getting the advantage. Just getting the advantage. Just like the cheater Seth Rollins, right? He, he took advantage of a situation. The Undertaker, did he bend the rules? Did he manipulate the rules? Yes. Um, is that in the, uh, the you code sound, of the you normal? Sound, you sound like a heel protecting a heel right now, which is which which just reaffirms my position on all of this. Well, that's great. Now, now okay, to be a serious though for a second, did I like to finish? Absolutely not. Not no, to finish, I wanted. You, I wanted a one, two, three. There are many That's reasons I why I didn't like the finish, but here's one of the biggest continuity issues with me. So let me um, let me use an analogy. So um, hashtag kayfabe continuity. Yeah, hashtag kayfabe continuity. That's ridiculous. Listen, um, uh, you know you our, like it. On our podcast last week, we talked about um, Star Wars. So I, yeah. I've, been, I've been watching the Star Wars episodes the last few days, mm-hmm. and uh, and I, and I found that I quite like them. Except for one thing, one big issue. Whenever there are battles in space, I hear sound. Why do I hear sound? Space is a vacuum. There is no sound in space. <laughs> the same is true of a timekeeper ringing the bell when the person who is tapping out is facing in the completely opposite direction of the timekeeper. How the hell can the timekeeper see someone tapping out when they're facing the opposite direction? Because it's ridiculous. Stop no. insulting my intelligence. No, no. Stop look. it. Look, he thought he saw what he thought he saw. He, he, thought, he, he couldn't see anything because it was he in the saw, opposite direction. He saw, he so what the, the hell did he see, Gilboa? No. He, you're okay. Look, Matt Topolsky. If I'm looking at your back, right? I'm looking at your back. If you, you have can't your see arm, someone I'll, tapping out in front. Yeah, you can. I'm gonna show, I'm gonna post a video on Twitter to show that this is possible. Because if you're if I'm if you're looking at my back and I'm tapping out on my stomach, you can obviously see my arm going up and down, and I'm submitting motion. That's what the timekeeper oh, saw. Stop it, please. That's what he saw. Please stop. Look, 
I am just you are talking about logic. Kay- you are talking about kayfabe continuity, and nothing that occurred during this entire event violated it more than that single moment that destroyed what was a, a main event that we've waited sixteen months to see. Now I don't. Now okay. Now now let's be honest for a second. I don't think that it destroyed the match. Um, That's all that anyone's good. talking about right now, though. They're not talking well, okay, about well, how not, great. Not anyway. They're not talking about how great the match was well, from bell to bell. They're talking about the finish. Everyone's talking about the finish tonight. Can okay, we agree? Well, can, we, can we agree on that? Well, yeah, people are talking about it, but what they need to be—they need to open their eyes and look at the great match that we had. Like, like the time, now, like the timekeeper, they need to open their eyes, right? Yeah, well, maybe the referee. <laughs> um, but no, but, but we had a great match. Don't get don't get it twisted whatsoever. One iota. The match was great, and if anyone thinks differently, obviously their opinion doesn't matter because the match was great. Now the finish, not what I wanted. I wasn't was I 100 percent satisfied with the finish. Well, the Undertaker won, and that's what I wanted. I did want the, want the Undertaker to win, and the way that it went down was it the way I wanted? Not not really, not at all. I, I mean, even if Undertaker won with a tap out clean, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to see that. I wanted to see a one, two, three after a tombstone pile driver. That's what I wanted. I didn't get it. And, that, and that's fine. Did I like the finish? No. But does it take away the, the match? The match that we've been waiting 15 months for? Um, no, because obviously, like you said, Matt Topolsky, you've been watching wrestling long enough to know that this sets up a rematch. We're going to see the, the end of this feud. Um, now who wins that match? We can only guess, but um, I, I wasn't 100% happy with the finish, but it didn't ruin the match for me. What's your appetite for, for a rematch? Do you, do you, yeah, no, actually, actually, I really do. I would, I would love to see a rematch because, I mean, at first, here's the thing. I wasn't so much excited about this match at first because I was like, man, that first one wasn't great. Um, I mean, it wasn't the worst match I've ever seen, but the man got concussed. They couldn't. They were limited in what they could do. So I mean, I wasn't ecstatic about a rematch. But after the match that they had, man, I think they were really hitting each other, man. I really do. Brock was bloodied. Um, Undertaker looked. They looked like they were actually hitting each other for a minute. Um, the, the Undertaker had a choke slam on Brock Lesnar that was out of this world. I had never seen a choke slam like that. I agree. There's a spot to where they both sit up in the ring. Brock Lesnar's laughing. Undertaker mocked him. Yeah. Which was hilarious, but also a great spot. Then we see a top rope um, last ride. We see a F5 through an announce table, then two more F5s in the ring. Undertaker able to kick out of that. Uh, which is what defeated him at WrestleMania. There were so many great storytelling elements in this match to which that's why I say I would love to see Undertaker Brock three. I could not want, I, at this point, I don't want to see any match more than I want to see Taker Brock three. Well, uh, we have covered the entire SummerSlam card tonight uh, from a scale of one to 10, Brad, what do you give the show? Um, well, I went in, my excitement was a nine. But what do I give the show? Um, I'm going to rationalize this before I actually give my thing. For the um, finish of the main event, for the finish of the championship match, and for the overall uh, for the overall derailing of a lot of stories, and, and, and not, not even derailing, but the non-movement of several major storylines, no swerves given to us, which is what we expected, I'm going to give the SummerSlam this year, 2015, a 7 out of 10. 
um, if we would have gotten a couple more surprise finishes, if we would have had some less corny uh, finishes to the actual matches, such as John Stewart costing John Cena the U.S. championship, um, I would have given it maybe an eight. Um, but we didn't get that. We didn't get the swerves and the shocks, which is why SummerSlam is the second biggest show of the year and not the first. So I give it a seven out of ten. I give the show a six out of ten simply because, um, I mean, you, you hit several major points. I'm looking at a gif of John Stewart, a comedian, hitting John Cena in the stomach with a steel chair, costing him a shot at the WWE Championship. That alone is one of the single most ridiculous moments in WWE history. Um, and the finish of the Brock Lesnar-Taker match is still confusing to me. But um, overall, I thought it was a good show. I thought the NXT TakeOver event the night before was a better show, which is predictable considering the fact that NXT, uh, among hardcore wrestling fans, has been kicking the mainstream WWE product's ass. So, now, uh, you know, I, I would love to, to do a study with some quote-unquote casual fans to see what they think. Because I think casual fans look for something different in wrestling than what we look for as people who talk about it, who work in it, and who love it. I would love to hear a casual fan's view on tonight's show. Because maybe a casual fan would have loved Jon Stewart interrupting, would have thought that the finish to the Taker Brock match was um, exhilarating and unexpected. I mean, we don't know what they think. Well, well, um, I, 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 w- I would love to meet a casual fan because well, I, 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 think, I think casual fans are like unicorns. A casual fan is not someone that would purchase the WWE Network because they're a casual fan, so they may not even know what the WWE well, Network is. So well, how, else do they, how else do they watch the show tonight? But that's what I that's what I, just I mean, the people that were plugged into this show tonight were people that were hardcore wrestling fans or were kids who begged their parents to get the WWE Network. Okay, exactly. But guess what? Those kids, I would consider a casual fan. Yeah, those those kids have been watching Jon Stewart for years, haven't they? Well, no, but I mean, <laughs> here's the thing, man. Okay, thanks thanks for your negative connotation. But, um, but, but in all honesty, I mean, the kids, I, I was a kid, right, at one point in time, just as you were. And I didn't know the ins and outs of the business and what a good finish and a bad finish was when it comes to actual wrestling booking. Um, I might have thought that this match was, a, I mean, this SummerSlam was a 10 out of 10 uh, simply for the fact that if I don't know any better. I just like wrestling. Um, so I would love to hear uh, from these casual fans, which we all were at one point. We all weren't. We all weren't talking an hour and a half on on a podcast about our feelings about a, a wrestling show. We used to just watch it, and then when it was done, we turn it off and talk about it at school the next day and be like, "Hey, man, that was pretty cool." Well, but you know, we're not we're not casual fans. So. Well, I know that's what I'm saying. We're not. But um, um, so I, I mean, they might look at this show completely different than we do. But I mean, as it stands, an average of six and a half between me and you for this show, which is low for a SummerSlam. I think last year's was way, way far, far, far better. But but I mean, o- overall, I mean, regardless of the John Stewart finish, it makes me very happy that Seth Rollins is still WWE champion. Um, I'm happy. Who, who, who beats him? I know we're we're, talk- we're going long on this thing, but it's fine. Who beats Seth Rollins for the WWE Championship? I mean, right now, nobody. Because it's well, he's going to lose. He's going to lose the title eventually. Well, I I, I agree with that. Um, I'm still waiting for somebody to step up and prove that they're worthy. And does right now, John does John Cena beat him? No. 
So Cena does not become a 16-time champion against Seth Rollins? No, I mean, he will eventually become a 16-time champion, but I don't think against Seth Rollins, no. Any chance of him being a 17-time champion? Cena? Yeah. Um, Based on what I've seen... Uh, Cena will probably end up being a 30-time champion before it's all said and done. I mean, because, like, I, I there, there, listen, I, I love John Cena, but, the, I mean, this whole deal with him and Seth Rollins, to, to me, I, I, I'd be more emotionally invested in the Shield finally hashing this thing out. I'd be more inv- emotionally invested in Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. I'd be more emotionally invested in seeing seeing Finn Balor show up after his performance last night. And I, I know that's maybe jumping the gun a little bit. But I, what I'm trying to say is that I think it's going to be a young gun. It's going to be a young performer that has the same energy and uh, and future that Seth Rollins has right now, who is going to be the guy to take that title away from him. And uh, and I think we're going to see a couple of runs of, from Seth Rollins with the title sort of like this in the same way that we saw from Ric Flair. I think it fits him perfectly. I know people have argued that um, that I've never seen Seth. I've heard people say this to me on Twitter. You know, I've never seen Seth Rollins work as a face, blah, 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 blah and all that. But I, I don't need to. I've seen him work as a heel. And like this, it's money. So if it's not broke, don't fix it. Leave it alone. And let Seth Rollins continue to do what Seth Rollins does. And, um, and tonight, yeah, he did it very well. And despite the, the lunacy at the end of that match, thank you, John Stewart, for uh, contributing. And, and as far as I'm concerned, the best thing John Stewart's ever done on television. <laughs> There you go. Well, I disagree with that. And I also think that uh, Seth Rollins would be a more uh, – a better babyface than he is a heel. And, 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 I, and I look forward to a babyface run on top from Seth Rollins. But that, those are my opinions, and they matter unlike yours. Well, that's, that's up for debate. Well, there you have it, friends. Some strong opinions regarding SummerSlam. I want to thank Brad Gilmore for joining me on the program today. And Mo Chatra will be back next week, my co-host extraordinaire on this program as we continue to talk more about professional wrestling and the world of sports entertainment. Keep it here for the Pro Wrestling Index, only on the Anfield Index podcast channel. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 